Hello everyone, this is Darshan Maharaja with you as we embark on the seventh leg of our Canadian journey together. A couple of days ago, I got into a debate on Twitter about an issue that A. doesn't feature much on the public stage, but B. matters a great deal at the grassroots level of politics, especially in terms of informing people's voting decisions. The issue is this. Should foreign-born Canadians be eligible for holding elected office? The debate that I had, or perhaps more appropriately, the dispute that I had with some people, got interesting with many people providing their views as input. And at some point, I realized that they had contributed enough material to turn into a podcast episode. One additional reason why I thought this uh, was worth your time is because I believe, based on observations over the last five years, that the political left, that is the Liberals, NDP, and to a marginal extent, the Greens, exploit this sentiment among some conservatives to turn the voters against the conservatives in general. Now, when I say the left, maybe anyone on that side, liberal, NDP and green supporter will dispute that. Let's uh, leave that dispute aside for uh, for the moment. Because I observed that it's, uh, something like 90% of Canadians consider themselves to be centrist. At that point, you have to start wondering where that center is and how large it is. But if we take them as a group, the supporters of Liberals, NDP and to some extent the Greens, then they use this, they even exploit this. Sometimes I am tempted to say they weaponize this tendency among some conservatives to say that foreign-born Canadians should not be allowed to hold elected office. And for their part, I don't see the conservative parties and I... I'm not necessarily limiting that to CPC, making any effort to curb this sentiment amongst some of their supporters and may benefit from a nudge from me, although I'm small fry in this whole scheme of things. So let's get rolling after this intro music. At the national level, there appears to be no dispute over this. Ever since Canada was confederated, our laws have allowed foreign-born Canadians to hold elected office. But at the subsurface level, there is a segment on the conservative side, which as I said is not necessarily limited to the conservative party, especially now with several offshoots of the party having appeared on the scene both federally and provincially. And this is also a redux of what happened in the 1990s. So there is this segment which believes in a determined fashion 
that foreign-born Canadians should not be allowed to hold elected office. And they make no bones about it in the public sphere. At first glance, this appears to be a straightforward piece of logic, regardless of whether one agrees with it or not. The dichotomy between Canadian-born and foreign-born seems to be clear-cut. But if we dive deep, several problematic areas become visible. Namely, one. There are, I think, four or five. Um, One. What about people who were born abroad but arrived in Canada at a young age? perhaps even very young age, and have called Canada home ever since. Are we going to restrict some Canadians' rights because they landed in Canada at the age of 2 or 5 or even 15, especially when they had zero say in the matter? They were just brought here by their parents. 2. What about the children of Canadians born abroad? This would include Canadians living abroad, whether as diplomatic, military or other government employment, or private employment, or for any other reason. Let us remember that the argument from these conservatives, and I emphasize here, they are a small minority. The argument is based solely on the place of birth and does not take into account any circumstances surrounding that birth. You could even have a case of a pregnant woman who travelled abroad and unexpectedly had a premature delivery. So, what happens in that case? 3. What about the phenomenon of birth tourism? One that we habitually sweep under the rug. There are thousands of children born every year in Canada. I think the last uh, number I saw was somewhere around 3,500 to 4,000, somewhere there where the parents are only using a legal loophole for their convenience so that their child can get a right to acquire Canadian citizenship in the future, at a time of their choosing. Should these children, who immediately after being born, are taken out of Canada by their parents and don't set foot on our soil again until years, perhaps decades later, have a right? When... People who have lived, worked and contributed here, but were born abroad, shouldn't. If we were to structure our laws around the eligibility to run for elected office such that they skirt around all these factors, what we would have on our hands wouldn't be a policy as much as it would be a pretzel. Or in South Asian lingo, it would be a jalebi. And finally, and most crucially, four. Do we want to have a two-tier citizenship in Canada, where there is a class of citizens who can never aspire to elected office? That last point is worthy of being discussed first. Both because of the fundamental principle involved vis-a-vis our professed democratic principles and due to the very high number of people that are potentially affected by it. The information that I have gleaned shows that as of 2019, about 21% of Canadians were born outside Canada. Today in 2022, three years later, that number has to be higher. That's a whopping percentage to exclude from the very chance of running for elected office. 
Furthermore, as time passes, this percentage is bound to grow larger. We have over 400,000 immigrants coming to Canada per year. In addition, we have hundreds of thousands of international students and temporary foreign workers for whom the path to citizenship exists. For the record, I am firmly against these extremely high levels of immigration via different channels. That number is close to a million a year, all categories put together. But that is a separate debate. The principle that we are discussing applies regardless of the numbers. And the discussion that I am having now would be valid, I believe, if we only had one Canadian who is foreign born in total in the whole country. Because we are talking about the principle here. Numbers are not relevant in this regard. Here it is pertinent to note that the primary and accepted reason for our immigration policy is that the Canadian economy needs workers and by extension taxpayers. Regardless of the number of immigrants that one feels is appropriate, we have to accept that it is our need, whether real or perceived, that is encouraging people from around the world to immigrate to Canada plus the promise of a better life for themselves and their children. So it's supposed to be a two-way bargain. If we want an arrangement that the immigrants are to be restricted from pursuing their aspiration in any manner whatsoever, that would need to be spelled out up front formally. But the current arrangement doesn't do that, rightly, I believe. So the natural question is how this legal and indeed constitutional arrangement can be changed. The answer is simple. It can only be changed by a government having sufficient support both in the parliament as well as among the public to amend the related laws in this regard. This is precisely where the electoral calculus comes in. Of course, public support for such a proposal given the large number, 21% in 2019, of foreign-born Canadians seems like difficult if not impossible to achieve. But still, we are exploring the principle of the thing and how it would work here. I wrote in an article in June 2020, it's titled Windward Islands and uh, you can check it out on my website at darshanmaharaja.ca. There is a search function, just search for uh, Windward Islands and you can see the article. I wrote there on the perpetually perplexing question of why immigrants from socially conservative background vote heavily for parties that espouse socially liberal policies. In that article, I wrote the following, quote, There is latent fear among many new Canadians of being preyed upon by those in power. This fear creates a fertile ground for a narrative that depicts certain segments of Canadian society as being hostile to new Canadians on account of race. Now this depiction is not correct or not necessarily correct, but that's what the depiction is. Because there is no reason to be fearful of the state in this country, this narrative concludes with a goal to prevent certain segments from acquiring control over the institutions of the state. Those creating this narrative portray themselves 
as the only barrier between vulnerable new canadians and predation end quote a point of clarification here is that the conservatives who are opposed to the idea of foreign born canadians holding elected office do not make it about race i want to make that amply clear or at least they don't ostensibly or clearly or expressly make it about race they posit that regardless of race only a person who is born in canada can run for and hold elected office but in the cutthroat world of politics this distinction or nuance is ignored by the other side also with over 1 in 5 canadians having been born abroad this is verily a distinction without a difference most of the 21% almost all are of a different race they are not white the proponents of such a restriction may think that they are being fair in their position and the vast majority of foreign born canadians may have no desire at all for political office but none of that matters this is because i am convinced at a deeply intuitive level the immigrants perceive i think correctly that the position is both both legally and morally untenable talking of the main conservative party those of you who follow my thoughts whether on this podcast or on my website or on twitter and other social media will know that i don't have much respect for the way they go about conducting themselves in terms of winning over people's approval nor in how they run their party i wrote a series of articles nine of them actually on that and true to form in this case also they don't make any effort at all to uproot this idea from this segment of their followers if and when an issue were to erupt around this in the media i expect that they will issue a renunciation that doesn't resonate beyond their most committed base meaning those who don't share this belief what they don't realize is that words aren't enough even when they are anglo-saxon words i need to inject a word of qualification here i am not suggesting that the party can or should control what each of their supporters says that would be both undemocratic and impractical or impracticable there will always be a few outliers in any group what i am saying here is that the party hasn't made any effort as far as i have seen to make it amply clear as to where the party stands on this and let the, them not tell me or you or anyone else that they don't know that the issue exists i have been seeing it in public for over 5 years now that is the entire length of time that i have been active on social media so perhaps the issue goes farther back i remember years ago when a news story was relating to someone with a clearly non christian name what's called a foreign name in canada still uh, that's an outdated term and someone chimed in with a comment that it doesn't even sound like a canadian name when my question to this person was what does a canadian name sound like of course that person didn't reply i don't want the cpc to chide anyone let me be clear not to chide anyone with words like there is no place for people like you in canada 
ala Justin Trudeau. The requirement or the challenge, if you prefer it that way, is to persuade them to change their views. You, you don't tell someone that you don't belong here. They belong here, but you have to have the persuasive power to make them change their views. One problem here is that, uh, like most everywhere else, a lot of uh, political views of a lot of Canadians are based on stuff from the US. It was therefore not surprising that in my Twitter discussion that I mentioned at the start of the episode, some people replied saying that foreign-born Americans are not allowed to run for the position of president in the US. Now, first of all, Canada is not bound to take its inspiration or guidance from the US or any other country for that matter. We have our own history and our own trajectory of evolution as a country and as a society. Secondly, they ignore the fact that even in the US, foreign-born nationals are allowed to hold every other elected office. We can't take one political office that foreign-born nationals are not allowed to hold in the US and then apply that to all elected positions in Canada. Curiously, or perhaps typically, their opposition to foreign-born Canadians holding elected positions is limited to liberal ministers or liberal MPs, depending on the case. In all my discussion on Twitter, not a single person raised an objection to the fact that currently there are two foreign-born Canadians vying to become the leader of CPC. At least in theory, they could become the Prime Minister of Canada at some point. But that seems not to matter to these people. The chances of success for these candidates in becoming Prime Minister are irrelevant. Should they manage to become just MPs, the same objection should apply. It is inconsistencies like this that make the CPC vulnerable to attacks of racism. And to be clear, these attacks have their own logical inconsistencies. We are talking politics after all. If only CPC could bother to address these issues, they could address the inconsistencies. At the specific concerns, usually they boil down to expressing doubts regarding the alleged dual loyalties of foreign-born Canadians. Conservatives may hate Justin Trudeau's proclamation, and many do, I have seen, a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian, even I don't like it, but for different reasons. They can hate it all they like, but his Justin Trudeau's supportive audience perceives it very differently. It tells them that their loyalties are not going to be doubted within his sphere even when doubts are warranted, but that's a different discussion. A person who came to Canada struggled greatly to establish a foothold and provide for their family, that struggle is another separate discussion, contributed work to the economy, taxes to the government and spending to, to the GDP, is suddenly going to be ticked off upon hearing that they are suspected of being disloyal to Canada just because where they were born. One person responded to my tweet with the hypothetical case of Mohammed from Syria being allowed to become the Prime Minister of Canada. And my counter-argument was, why should it matter? If Mohammed from Syria, or Mohinder from Punjab, or Muthu Swami from Sri Lanka, etc., manages to secure the approval of enough number of Canadians, and before that, 
the approval and indeed the confidence of the political party to which they belong and all sorts of power bases that exist and influence this outcome such that he ends up becoming the pm how does one challenge the entire process just because the person wasn't born in canada in a nutshell how do we define our democracy because you are looking at the entire machinery of democracy here and it has its faults i admit let's not uh, be under any illusion here but it is there and it is serving us reasonably well it has served us reasonably well how do we challenge the entire process because we don't like the outcome sometimes a hidden fear is that canadians born abroad will cause harm to the national interests of canada either because they have divided loyalties or for any other reason but as of now there are a lot of canadians including some in prominent positions stating publicly that justin trudeau is destroying canada there's a canadian born guy before him there was an even larger number of people claiming that stephen harper was destroying canada therefore we can conclude that there is a broad consensus that even canadian born politicians and white men to boot are capable of harming canada's national interests the focus has to be on how to prevent such people from acquiring political office regardless of their place of birth without restricting anyone's right to seek and hold that office and how to remove them from that office if they fail to live up to the requirements of that office of the two the latter is easier to solve i think at least on paper we need a recall legislation for sure it would have the potential of being misused i'm under no illusion there but that can be remedied by restructuring or rather structuring that legislation with the necessary safeguards built in against anticipated or foreseeable types of misuse and then as the process unfolds we can add more safeguards the former is a tougher nut to crack how do we know in advance whether the person is suitable for the particular elected office or not both in terms of merit and commitment to the interests of canada this is where the role of the political party as an organization acquires tons of significance currently they are doing a shoddy job of vetting individuals as their candidates one case in point here is that of former mp marwan tabara who was allowed to run for re-election by the liberal party despite their internal finding of misconduct by that mp and here i note that this case isn't about merit or loyalty to canada but it shows us the suboptimal functioning of political parties in vetting candidates from what i have observed in too many cases the focus of various political parties is on two things and two things only when they let a person become their candidate one how much money they can bring into the party coffers and two how many votes they can get in an election additionally identity politics is playing an increasing role in the process the quality of the candidate is often an afterthought that if these candidates manage to get elected and many of them do then our politics becomes a case gigo garbage in garbage out 
when some of that garbage becomes visible like it did in the case of former minister mariam monsef with her disastrous exercise on democratic reforms our focus shouldn't be on her place of birth or her religion gender etc but rather on the process that put her in the position which she was so demonstrably incapable of doing justice to the key point here is that neither she nor her party suffered any consequences for her failure so as i see it the problem facing us is that of a lack of accountability it is tempting to posit that the political parties are the ones who should fix this problem but we have to recognize that it is humanly impossible for anyone to fix a problem that they are benefiting from external force is required i think therefore that it is up to the voters to push for the needed reforms and mass and relentlessly whereby we have accountability in government or at least somewhat higher accountability than the total lack of it that we have now pointing to the place of birth of elected officials and griping about it isn't going to solve anything in any event as i said the percentage of foreign born canadians is only going to rise over time excluding an ever increasing proportion of the country's population from seeking elected positions isn't going to be tenable practically in the coming years those who are complaining about these canadians from holding such positions can choose to marginalize themselves in the political sphere if they wish as their choice in the meantime the collective journey of canadians will move on and leave them behind I don't wish for them to be left behind but again as I said it is their choice to make these were my broad thoughts on the issue the last couple of days uh, this issue had been bouncing around in my head and I thought it may be worth your time to uh, record this uh, episode and let you know what my thoughts are you can let me know what your thoughts are about this episode in the comments and uh, I look forward to receiving them as i said i keep an open mind and until i see you in the next episode goodbye